Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, this is the week we are launching the union. You've heard me talk about it for weeks now. Now is the time to do it. Join the union.us. Come join the pro-democracy hub that is going to make sure the forces of democracy win and are successful this November and that everybody who wants to vote can. Again, join the union.us. And now on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm joined by legendary Democratic strategist, senior advisor to The Lincoln Project and host of That Trippy Show, found wherever you can find your good podcasts, Joe Trippy. Joe, welcome back. Great to be with you, Reed. So listen, Joe, I want to have you on today because this week we're officially announcing an initiative of The Lincoln Project, and it's called The Union. And not in the context of like a labor union, but in the context of Abraham Lincoln and saving the union, defending the union. And so this is a place where everyone listening and everyone who's interested in saving an American democracy can get involved, including you all here who are listening and members of the Lincoln Project community across the country. So you've heard us talking about it previously on previous shows, and you've heard me talking about it on the liners at the top. But before we get going, I want you to write this down, jointheunion.us. You've heard me talking about it. You've heard Joe and I talk about it a little bit. But this week, we're really kicking it into high gear. We're launching it. You might have seen some media coverage about it. So Joe, why don't we talk about how we got to this place and how you see that fitting into the broader pro-democracy movement? Well, I've said that the greatest catastrophe for the country right now is to not understand that this is no longer about right versus left or Republicans versus Democrats. It's it's all of us, but it's going to take all of us to defend our democracy, to defend the union, our republic. And in a lot of ways, there's not a place out there where if everybody who we've heard read, you know, as we've talked to people, as we've gone around the country, people responding to the videos or on Twitter, and the constant question is, what can we do besides give money or retweet a a powerful video. What can I do? And the union is a place where you can go sign up, give what your interests are, what your talents are, what you want to bring to this fight or able to bring to the fight without getting hammered for donate now 18 times. That's not going to happen in the union. It's about actively participating across the country together to preserve and protect our votes the legal fights that have to happen out there across the board and across ideology. It's put our past differences aside and bring people together who agree on one thing and one thing only, maybe in many cases, and that's that we're all together going to do everything we can to defend and protect our democracy at the ballot box in 2022, in 2024, and to fight the disinformation and other things that are going on that we can all, again, if we're all acting together, and 
you're working on something that you're interested in, in your locality or with your expertise, that's how we're all going to defeat this. It's going to take every single one of us. I want to talk about the broader picture of what you just described. I just found this morning an op-ed that I wrote back in December of 2020 that basically said, like, the fight against Trumpism, you know, we had defeated Trump, but the fight against Trumpism was just beginning. And from our perspective, and I don't think anyone ever accuses us of having a lack of imagination, Trumpism or the white nationalist movement, whatever it is, has moved far further and far faster and far deeper in the last year than I think any of us could have imagined. But here it is. So this is one of those things where I think so many of us, you included in us generally, have been talking like, this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take. And we started talking about right around the time you joined us last summer that defeating the anti-democratic forces on the march in this country will take the deepest, broadest, most diverse coalition that any of us can remember. Republicans, independents, Democrats, Northerners, Southerners, Easterners, Westerners, folks from every neighborhood and every town in the country. I want you to look back on your experience. I mean, I think Democrats historically and traditionally have been much better at the grassroots because they were in many ways closer to communities. Maybe Republicans were closer to the churches or to the military or to the sort of white collar class, but Democrats historically better in towns, better in cities. So what in your experience do you see as the kinds of things that we can and should focus on as we start this process this week, but also as we go through the next really two and a half or three years? Well, like you said, we look at this is going to take a broad-based pro-democracy coalition. No one group out there, including the Lincoln Project, can fight this fight alone. It's got to be all of us. We need to develop a comms core to fight the disinformation out there, not just to knock down disinformation, but to be proactive and get positive messaging out there. We need to develop an activist core that is going to be active to register and get out the vote and persuade people. The authoritarian right has been doing this, has spent billions of dollars to do it with billionaires funding it. And, you know, whether it's Fox or Breitbart, Newsmax, no one's going to step up and provide a billion dollar platform. But with the hundreds of thousands of millions, actually, who listen to this podcast in a month, who follow Lincoln Project on Twitter, for each of them to join and do something and be able to take actions, join the tech core, the legal core. If you go to the site, you'll see where you can sign up with your skills and your interests. And then what we want to do is this is not just the Lincoln Project. There's other groups out there that are also urging their people to join this. And individuals are joining. Already, we're up near 50,000 people who have joined it. And the Lincoln Project does a lot of great things, but like we're not organizers in your area. You know, whether it's a Fair Fight Georgia or a group in Ohio or wherever you are doing registration or doing door-to-door, and, and you're an activist that wants to do that, by signing up to the union, we can provide you and your skills and that information to groups out there that sorely need the help. And the same for like lawyers that have signed up. We see a lot of attorneys that have signed up saying they want to take part in the legal fights, whether it's court injunctions to keep polls open late or to join in amicus briefs against some of the suppressive laws that are out there. Those people, we can get to the Mark Eliases and others out there that are fighting these legal fights. It's a movement that's been being built, not just here in the United States, but across the world. You see it now with Russia and the Ukraine. There are real consequences to that. We have to 
defend democracy everywhere. But right now, particularly with the threat here at home, we've got to come together as the union and build this through November and then on to 2024. So, Joe, I mean, I think one of the interesting and I guess disappointing things, too, is that you take something like a comms corps, right, a communications corps. Local media has been decimated over the last 15, 20 years, largely because of the Internet, social media, the lack of ability to advertise or, you know, any advertisers wanting to pay for local press. So therefore, there's a lot of communities that used to have a daily Maybe they had a weekly, maybe they had a twice weekly that were well read. Now, folks maybe get their news from Facebook, maybe they get it from next door, but the closest to their community they probably get is whatever the biggest radio or television station is in the nearest big city, right? The nearest big media market. Therefore, very little news about, let's say, school board races, down ballot races like secretaries of state or state legislature or even Congress, where a member of Congress probably has in their district a sliver of a big city, but for the most part, it could be suburban, exurban, or even rural. Therefore, who knows who these people are? Who knows what they stand for? So in a primary situation or even in a general election situation, most people go, okay, well, that guy or that gal's the incumbent. I guess I'll vote for her. So it's essential to reestablish these connections between individual residents, citizens, voters, and the information they need to, as you said, either make A, informed decisions, B, understand what it is they need to vote for, even who the person is they should vote for, even that they need to get out and vote, right? So that something like a comms corps or a tech corps, they're not just solving for, well, it's a nice thing to have, but providing, again, so much of the ability to communicate on a one-to-one level or at a community-based level that for the most part is now gone. Reed, you know, it comes out of something I learned in putting the Dean campaign together, that if you give people the tools to build that communications infrastructure, that organizing infrastructure, empower them to, to help build the tech tools that we used in that campaign, they can build it. You listening can build this thing. We've already built it to 50,000 people across the country. And, you know, the people who say, well, what can I do? Everybody listening, there's one thing you can do right now. You can join the union at jointheunion.us. The next thing you can do, and it's pretty simple, is talk to a friend, talk to one neighbor, one coworker, one family member. Get them to go to the site, jointheunion.us. If you're in a group that could use help with more volunteers in your area, or you're a party or some other group that knows that there's a legal threat to people's ability to vote, let us know that and we can get attorneys to work with you and fight that problem. It's about all of us together joining in the union across party lines and ideology. Like I said, 50,000 individuals have already joined, but there's all kinds of groups beyond the Lincoln Project. I think we're up to 25, 30 groups out there across the country some national, some local, that are signing on as partners to build the union. And my hope, like we did in the Dean campaign, we started with like 400 people and we we built it by multiple thousands a week and it grew pretty damn big and pretty powerful. We're way ahead of that now with 50,000 already joining the union before we're even really announcing it this week. But we can grow this, in my view, into the millions and it'll take millions of us with all our talent, all our energy, and all our abilities 
to fight the authoritarian movement that's well-funded, has a entire outrage machine communications-wise. We're up against all of that, and we can win, but only if enough people, I think, from the bottom up, build the pro-democracy army that needs to be out there to win and defeat the authoritarians in 2022, 2024. And by the way, I, you know, we talk about this. It won't be over then. He'll still be out there. But by then, if we built this into the millions, it will be the formidable force in American politics. And you who are listening can be the first to help us start to build it at jointheunion.us. So, Joe, let me ask you this. Republicans, at least in my experience, and I think we're seeing the worst distillation of that now, are hierarchical and top-down. The Republican Party is and has not been much for grassroots efforts, with the exception of trying to find, you know, okay, well, we need this many votes and we need coalitions. But in Republican politics, coalitions are really, they're window dressing, right? We need a veteran in Wisconsin. All right, who's the chair of our Wisconsin Veterans Corps, right? But it's really just, there's a central node and maybe nodes amongst the Republican Party now, whether or not it's Trump or Fox or Bannon or whoever it is, and that stuff is pushed down and people take their marching orders that way. But I think something you and I were talking about when we were in Florida, I don't know, a month ago, was how powerful, when you were working for Howard Dean, the idea of that empowerment of individuals in states and cities and towns was for folks that a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, like if we're just like, hey, you're John Smith in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I'm sitting in this office and I'm going to tell you, John Smith, this is what you're going to do today. That's your mission. And you don't get to decide. Right. That doesn't work for a lot of people. And that's not what we're doing. This is decentralized. It's again like the Dean campaign. We believed in the people out there and gave them the tools to build the campaign locally or what they thought needed to happen. If you go to the site, you'll see places that you can check, skills that we're looking for. And then what's happening is there are people locally, groups locally, they're saying, hey, we're doing you know something this Saturday, we need help. We can give you an alert urging you to join them. But the fundamental thing is that we were talking about in Florida is there are gonna be places in Idaho, let's say, where we may have a few thousand people join the union in Idaho, and somebody's going to emerge as a leader of that group of people out there. I mean, that's what this does. That's what we learned in the Dean campaign, that when you empower people like this, new leaders at the local level emerge, and they start leading in their community. And what's interesting about that, the Dean campaign, was often they came up with ideas we never thought of that were much better than the people in headquarters. And those all populate up, and now we can spread them nationwide to the 100,000, 200,000, and again, hopefully the millions that join between now and November. Well, and, you know, I mean, I think also talking about all this stuff can seem a little overwhelming, Joe, so I think about it as that terrible metaphor of like eating the elephant, right? You eat it one piece at a time, but that's really how we should see all of these efforts, communications, legal, activism, voting, registration, whatever it is, which is all of this stuff is additive. These races, as we saw, you know, we put out, I think, a graphic last week, you know, 45,000 votes in three states, Donald Trump's sitting in the White House. I mean, what does that mean for people? Now we're in a midterm situation where there's thousands of elections, state, local, federal, 
where these will come down to dozens of votes, hundreds of votes, thousands of votes, maybe gubernatorial and Senate, tens of thousands of votes. But the margins of victory and defeat are there. They're sitting there. We don't know who exactly they are. We don't know exactly where they are. But we know that the people to support the pro-democracy candidates and to defeat the anti-democracy candidates exist. And so I think that's the other part is the tangible outcome is to win. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, 5,000 union members in Georgia is an example. Look at how close those races were. 5,000 people with all their energy and talent can make a difference just by talking to two or three people each or helping to knock down, you know, an attack that's a lie or one attorney who can keep a polling place open. But that's the whole idea. Everybody join. We will create the platform to exchange and connect with the right people in your area or with your right skill set. So, Joe, just for folks who are listening, you know, and I hope if you're listening, I hope you've already logged on to jointheunion.us and filled out all the information while you're sitting here listening to the dulcet tones of Reed and Joe. But Joe, explain the process to folks. Somebody's going to go to the website as soon as they're done here. Take us through a little bit of how it works. Well, you go and you, you sign up. There'll be a page there where it asks, you basically check boxes of things that you're interested in, whether it's being active organizing, whether you want, you're willing to reach out in your religious community, whether you're a lawyer, an attorney, willing to get in that fight, whether you're somebody with technology prowess who's willing to help build the tools that so many people will need to organize and get active. There's a whole bunch of categories there. And then you go deeper into the site and there's some open-ended things that you can fill out. But in the end, what we get is, hey, in Georgia, there are 100 attorneys that have signed up and want to be involved, volunteered to be involved. On the other end of the site, there's a place for groups to sign up and say, we're in Georgia. We have a plan to register voters. We need activists. Or we're in Georgia, and here's this lawsuit, and we need attorneys to help. Or we're in Georgia. We'd like to develop an app and need technology help. And we, again, can move not just technology people in Georgia that have signed up, but technology people around the country that have signed up. In fact, the entire thing right now is being built by volunteers. It's just amazing. And that is like what happened in the Dean campaign. Like I said, if you empower people and say, hey, we need the help, people will volunteer and start to build this stuff. So the website has all been built by volunteers. The way the page is laid out, the whole back office of how that data is moved to groups out there who need the help and to plug in people's talents with where they can do the most good. All that is being developed and worked over by volunteers. And one of the things we have committed to is there's no donate page at jointheunion.us. This is about one thing and one thing only, getting people to join the pro-democracy coalition and connecting them to where they can do the most good throughout the country. And the more of us that sign up, the more powerful it's going to be and the bigger the chance that we can build something that will overrun the autocrats and the authoritarians that are putting up so many barriers and disinformation and billions of dollars too, lots of money against us. We were in San Francisco two weeks ago, Joe. And at one of our events, I was describing the union to 
a person who's pretty deeply involved in politics. And watching their face as I'm describing it, the look on their face said, what's the catch? Like, no one in politics does this, like, for the greater good. That's not what happens. And I'm like, you're looking for the catch, aren't you? Like, the catch is democracy. And even when we walked away, I'm not sure they were convinced, Joe. I got to be candid with you. I think that when I said we're not going to fundraise against people that join the union, that we're going to, you know, serve as, for lack of a better way to put it, a vacuum cleaner and then push these folks back out into the organizations that need them, you could tell it just didn't compute. And somebody asked me when I was talking to them about it, well, like, what's going to happen to all the data of all the groups that sign up? Which group, you know, owns the data? And I, and I was like, look, we're going to keep building this and we're going to build it in 2022 and we're going to keep building it in 2024 and we're going to keep building it. And 20 years from now, I don't know who's going to own the data. It sure isn't going to be me or anybody who's, who's building this. It belongs to the union. All those people who are joining, it's not about doing weird stuff. It's about a coalition. It's great that we all got together and decided, look, we'll help get this going and put the site together and get volunteers to start building it. But in the end, it's bigger than the Lincoln Project. It's bigger than any of the groups out there. It's bigger than Joe Biden, in my view. It's democracy. And that's what this is about. And that's why if you're out there and you're thinking, you know, I've been one of the people saying, don't wait for Merrick Garland. Don't wait for the Southern District of New York. Don't wait for somebody else to build the pro-democracy Breitbart, for lack of a better way of putting it. We've got to build all that stuff ourselves, and we've got to start doing it now. And we've got the power to do it. The power to win this fight rests in your hands, not in minor reads. All we're doing is creating a place where you can use your power. Well, and I think that's important too, because first of all, no experience necessary. If you have experience, tell us, that's great. But also, I mean, this is not an organization for one party or one region or one city or one state. It's not just for Democrats. It's not just for progressives. It's not for left-leaning independents. It's for Republicans, center-right people, whoever they might be. I'm an independent, Joe, as you know, for veterans, you know, retired police officers, people in the faith community, people in the rural community. I think there are probably a lot of folks out there, Joe, just speaking as a former Republican, who don't know where to go. They know they can't go back to the party where they came from, just like I can't go back. But they also know that maybe they're not always comfortable with just, you know, voting straight Democratic because, again, you know, political socialization is a very powerful tool. But this provides, I think, something that allows folks who might be similar to me in political background to say, OK, I get it. This is bigger than this particular policy issue, bigger than this particular thing over here. It is about small D democracy, which is bigger than big D Democrats or big R Republicans. You know, I think there are tens of millions of Americans who feel politically homeless. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And a lot of that frustration sometimes just leads to despair, apathy, which leads to just inaction, probably. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's why you hear so many people say, what can I do? I think there's only one pro-democracy political party left in the country, but I think they're are plenty of people who get that and want to save the democracy and feel, like you said, homeless politically. Where, where can we go? And that's where I think, again, this is put the partisan baggage aside. You know, Stuart Stevens and I fought like crazy in Senate races for like 30 years. And it doesn't matter. 
he and I, maybe we go back to those fights 10 years from now, but that's not the fight we're in anymore. It's not about marginal tax rates or any of the other stuff that people are upset about. There's only one thing. If the democracy goes, if the authoritarians win in 2022, and then when Trump runs, put him in power in 2024, everybody's going to know then democracy really was on the ballot. It is on the ballot. All we're trying to do right now is get as many people who recognize that. If you recognize that democracy's on the ballot and we have to do everything we can to win the battle for democracy, we don't care what party you're in, what your ideology is. If you want to fight to win that battle, we want you to join the union and we will plug you in where your talents can do the most good in your community. You know, one of the things that we thought about in 2020 was that this kind of coalition had come together, but it was ad hoc. It wasn't intentional. And a friend of ours said something the other day that has stuck with me, which is going back to those 45,000 votes. 2020, as we look back on it, might have been the election because of the defeat of Donald Trump that saved the Western Democratic order. That if Trump had been successful, if he had convinced Brad Raffensperger and all these other goons to preserve him in office, God knows what the United States would look like, but God knows what the rest of the world would look like. I mean, Ukraine and Moldova would probably be parking lots and NATO would be on the run. I think that we cannot take for granted how close we came and how close we're coming again and how close we will come again two years hence. And a friend of yours and one of my favorite artists, Jason Isbell, said there can't be more of them than us. There just can't be. And there aren't. And I think that's the other thing that gives me pause is in the wake of what we're seeing in Ukraine, which is terror, war crimes, crimes against humanity, has been to awaken I think a slumbering American democratic spirit and a slumbering desire for justice and decency that I think a lot of Americans were just sort of like, yeah, my life's fine. It's not a big deal. And then you look and you say, that could be me, right? That could be my wife in that maternity hospital. That could be my mayor that just got abducted. That could be my kid that's going off to the front lines. And I think it's an interesting talk for another episode, but a war 6,000 miles away has awakened small D Democrats in America more than I ever thought it could or would. And so I think that there is momentum on our side as well. Well, that's true, particularly when a large part of the Republican Party is rooting for Putin, whether it's Tucker Carlson, Trump, and others, that's still going on. I think that is helping make the connection between authoritarian movement that's global in terms of its influence and money its impact, not just in our democracy, but that we're seeing in Ukraine. And that as more and more people see that connection, they're understanding what we've been talking about for the last year, six months for sure, since January 6th, is that this really is a democracy versus autocracy. And I remember when you'd say that and people would go like, what does that even mean? And now I think people are starting to wake up. But if they understand where they can come together, they're not alone the union is the place to stop feeling helpless and do something with that urge that you have to join the fight in a meaningful way. We can all join and then we can plug people in at the local level where they can do the most good in this fight. And it's everywhere. It's not just in Georgia and Pennsylvania. There are people in Idaho who can join this fight. We want you to join. We want you to become part of it and build the pro-democracy coalition there. We need to build it everywhere in this country, rural, urban, across the board, and across parties. 
Well, and uh, let me say one thing on that, and then I, I want to close with an image I have in my head. So it's one of those things I've always found fascinating is how close you become with folks that you start working with. You, you didn't know a week ago or a month ago, and by election day, you can't imagine living without that person. They become not only friends, best friends, they become part of your community, and suddenly you have this galvanizing force that leads to this incredible sort of flourishing of community. But folks, I want to leave you with this image. It was from, I don't know, Joe, probably right after the Russians invaded, but there was a photo of a bunch of Ukrainian women in a bombed out building sitting on milk crates with a table in front of them, and they're making Molotov cocktails, and they're smiling, and you can tell they're clearly either telling funny stories or they're telling jokes. And I think to myself, if they can find the time and the energy and the humor and strength of spirit to do that under those conditions, we can do that here. Absolutely, man. And people can do it. I'll plug it one more time at jointheunion.us. Joe, as always, thank you again for joining the Lincoln Project. It's hard to believe, I think, now almost nine months ago for your leadership and for the expertise you and your team have brought to us. I don't think we'd be able to pull off the union if it weren't for you and your crew. Before we let you go, where can we find you on social media? And more importantly, where can we find that trippy show? You can find me at Joe Trippy on Twitter and that trippy show at wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And it's just been a pleasure to be with you guys and to have joined. And I, again, part of the reason I joined was to make it clear to people, this is about all of us, Democrats joining with Republicans, former Republicans and independents. We've got to come together. And it's just been great to work with you guys and to keep building this. Well, amen to that. And gang, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Reed Galen. As I said, gang, get out there, get on your phone, get on your tablet, get on your laptop, join the union.us. Sign up today. I'm going to know whether or not you did it. I need you all to do it. All right, everybody. Have a great one. Joe, thanks again. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter at Project Lincoln. And for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. Also, be sure to check out our LPTV lineup, including The Breakdown with Tara Setmayer and Rick Wilson, which airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, as well as We're Speaking with Lisa Senecal and Maya May, which airs Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. All shows you can stream live on the Lincoln Project's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. And we'd love you to join us for our newest show, Lunch with Lincoln, which airs every Friday at noon Eastern on our YouTube channel. For the Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. See you on the next episode.